You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Good morning. All right, who's ready for Christmas? I am as well. Welcome online if you're watching there as well, or my family in Texas. I think they're tuned in, and we are so glad to have you with us. And as I watched that video, maybe, maybe you were feeling the same way I was. Well, what did you feel about that? Did you feel all the, the anxiousness? Did you feel the hope? Did you feel all the different pieces that are with that? Well, as I reflected this week, it really was a walk down memory lane for me about Christmas, about my childhood. And so I'm going to take you on that walk, and perhaps you'll walk with me as well, and you'll... Uh, learn about your childhood and learn about your experiences as well. But as I watched that video, I I thought we want so much to engage in the goodness of the season, but everything seems to get in the way. Have you felt that way? We want so much to engage. There's so much goodness all around us. And I love the lights. And I think about when I was a kid hearing the Christmas music as I delivered papers out of the back of my mom's vehicle and just all the things that you love as a kid. And then... Does it go away? I love Christmas. Do you remember a gift that you got at Christmas that was your favorite as a child? Does something stick out? I see some heads nodding. Yep, I remember that gift. For me, it was a video game. (laughs) Go figure. Uh, My brother, who's six years older than me, bought me baseball stars. Let's take a look. Anyone that's my age might might remember this, but as a young baseball fan that loves video games, we didn't care about graphics. We just wanted to play baseball. And this was just so great. And I was amazed that my brother, who's just 16, I was 10, would pay $50 for a game for me. But he did it because he loved me. He knew what I wanted and he could afford it. Even as a 16 year old, he was working a lot of hours and he, he could afford it. He had the means and he had the want to. I was texting him about it this week, and and he said, I don't remember that at all. (laughs) But I do, and we do, right? We remember these memories. Advent conspiracy is what we'll be talking about here in December. And Pastor Matt talked a little bit about it, but to give you some history, three pastors in 2006 got to the end of December, and they, they were exhausted. They said, we can't keep doing this. Our church is in debt. Our, our people are, are mounting credit card debt and the, the wrapping paper and the presents are still under the tree and the kids aren't playing with them and, and we're tired as pastors. We put all this work into you know, the Christmas Eve services and, and everything that goes to decorating the church. Isn't this beautiful? What You, some volunteers, and some of our staff have done in the lobby as well. It takes work. It's exhausting. And these three pastors said, an overwhelming stress had overtaken worship and celebration. Do you feel that? I won't tell you that we're under two weeks till Christmas if you haven't done your shopping yet to add to that stress, but we feel it, right? We just want so much to engage in the goodness. What if there's a better way? What if God has a better way? Would you grab it and run with it? Would you change everything? Would you change the way you do Christmas if you found this better way that God might have? Well, life is full of pivotal moments. And perhaps today is a pivotal moment for you and your family, for you watching at home. Maybe this is a moment where you change everything. One of my pivotal moments growing up um, was when we took my brother off to college, Michigan State University. Anyone that 
uh, knows Michigan State. He was in Holmes Hall for four years, and we dropped him off, and that's my best friend. That's my hero that we were leaving there. We played basketball in the driveway. I was 12 years old, just getting ready to be able to beat him. You know, I'm growing, and he's always, he doesn't go easy on me. He'd always win. And I was just getting ready to, to be there, and we played baseball on the street, and we just had all these great memories, but it was time for him to go off. And that was really hard for me. I remember getting back in the back seat of the station wagon, lying down in the back when you, we could do that back then, you know. And we were driving home and six hours from East Lansing, Michigan to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I just cried and I hid my tears at first because I'm 12. <laughs> we hide our tears, we're guys. But then I noticed my mom was tearing up a little bit. And my dad was dabbing his eyes and I knew it's okay to cry. And I miss my brother so much. And as I was thinking of that story, another thought came to mind this week. Can you imagine what it felt like for God the Father to send Jesus to us? Was it the same type of, it's time to go on your mission, son. It's time to go. I mean, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as far as we can tell in Scripture, always were together. We see it in the creation story. In John chapter one, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that's been made. And in was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome with, come it. So what is that word word mean, well in Greek it means logos, which is the word of God. And so if we read through that scripture again, in the beginning was the, the word of God. And the word of God was with God. And the word of God was God. He was with God, the word of God was in the beginning through the word of God, through the spoken word, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that's been made. In him and his words, there's life. And that life was the light of all mankind. They'd never been apart. They'd always done things together. And throughout this morning, I'll repeat a phrase, God gives good gifts, because he does. All around us, perhaps you have personal stories, but I, I certainly do. But the fact that he has given us community because he is community is a great gift. That's why we're hurting so much in 2020, because we miss that. Isolation has been such a hard thing for so many of us. God gives good gifts. He was community, he is community, and he's given us community. So you think about God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, all together from the start of creation, but now they weren't, because God gives good gifts. He's given his son. He doesn't give presence under a tree like we saw in the video. He gives his presence in our lives. This really hit home for me when I was a junior in high school. Orchard Hill Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, we were sitting in the back corner at 10.30. It was like the seventh service on Christmas Eve. We weren't allowed to reserve our tickets back then like we can this year. And so we got there early, threw our coats over the seat. Everybody did. It was a, a fight just to sit there. And so I had a half hour before service started at 11 p.m. and then it would end just after midnight and It'd be Christmas. How magical, how wonderful is that? 
So I'm sitting there for a half hour, and I grew up in the church, and I'd heard the Christmas story, and I'd watched Charlie Brown, and so I knew it all. And then it hit me that the creator, God, became a baby. Are you serious? Why aren't we living our lives with this as everything? This is the biggest miracle of all time. He was at creation. His word spoke us into existence and he humbled himself and was willing to become a baby and have all his needs met by a couple teenagers and to grow in the ways that we grow. This is amazing. Why are we living our lives like this? Why isn't Christmas all the time? I can imagine the conversation in heaven. This, we don't know that this happened, so I want to put a disclaimer. This is my mind, my creativity. I'm trying to impress my nine-year-old daughter because she say, says I need to be more creative. And so I, I put this, I'm, she does say that, but I'm not trying to impress her. But imagine, this might be how the conversation in heaven went. If Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, all right, if we're going to do this thing, we're doing it 100%. We're going all in. I will start where they start. I'll be born like they were born. I'll live like they live. I'll die like they die. I'll understand the human experience. How powerful is it to know that Jesus understands your human experience? I will be with them. God with us, Emmanuel. We see it in Matthew. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God gives good gifts. He gives the best gifts. God came and became fully present with us in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. That's the good news of Christmas. That's the good news of our lives. And the angels, how excited were the angels? We get a glimpse of it in Luke chapter 2. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared and with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. They got to glimpse it all happening. It's finally come. Jesus is here. The king is carrying out his plan and we get to announce it to the shepherds. We see that. But you know what we don't see in scripture? We don't see what God did, the father, do you wonder that? How did God the Father celebrate Christmas? God's everywhere, right? He's omnipresent, and so we understand that. But what they had was obviously different as he sent Jesus to earth. And so was he on the edge of heaven watching? Was he right next to the stable, invisible to Joseph and Mary, maybe winking at the animals? <laughs> What would God the Father do as he sent his son on this amazing mission? We don't know, but we do know how Jesus talked with his father while he was here. And so we can get a glimpse of that. As a kid, I always just imagined, well, Jesus is God. So, you know, he'd have a digital download of sorts where God the Father would, would tell him what to do or who to talk to or what to say or what miracle to do that day. Or maybe he would just, Jesus would just already know because he's God. And so... It would just happen. He had the whole map for his 33 years or whatever it is of life laid out and he'd just do it. But we see something different in scripture. Does it surprise you? According to the Bible, he connected with his father through prayer. And it took work. And it took effort. 
and he needed it for his soul. Let's look at some instances of that. Mark 1, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. If it was early in the morning and no one was up, why didn't he just pray there? Why do you have to go somewhere else? I wonder. We see a model prayer in front of others, the story of Jesus multiplying five loaves of bread and two fish to feed the thousands that Pastor Matt talked about in regards to the coat drive earlier. Man, that is so cool, so cool. Luke 9, verse 16 says, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, and he broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. Back in Luke, we see Jesus praying in private, but his disciples are with him. So they see how he prays. Verse 18 says, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, one of the prophets of long ago. It's come back to life. But what about you, Jesus asked. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. I wonder, was Jesus, were they all in the same room and Jesus was praying and they were just kind of around and so they saw and all of a sudden he opened his eyes and, and said, hey, I, who do people say I am? Or was he in a closet? Like sometimes in scripture he'll say, go pray in the closet. Don't, don't pray important words out of the street corner so that you get the glory. Go pray in your closet. Your father hears you. Maybe Jesus was in his closet and he just peeked his head out. Hey, guys, guys, who do they say I am? Did he hear from his father? It's time to have that conversation. Ask him. Because then Peter gave us the answer, God's Messiah. Matthew 26, we see Jesus right before he goes on trial and goes to the cross in the garden of Gethsemane. He said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter, two sons of Zebedee, along with him. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Do you ever feel sorrowful and troubled? And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then before choosing the 12 disciples, this is earlier in the Gospels, we see him pray. In Luke 6, one of those days, Jesus went out on the mountainside to pray. Again, he went out. He found a time, dedicated time, by himself with his father. And he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him. And that's when he chose 12 of them, who he also designated apostles. So what do we learn? Jesus prayed, then he acted. He took time with his father and big things happened. Jesus prayed, the 12 disciples were chosen. They were the leaders of the church. Do you have a big decision to make? Are you praying about it? Are you having others pray with you in that? God wants to reveal his will. Jesus prayed in the garden and God reassured him. Do you ever feel agony? Are you fearful of the future? Whether it's an unknown future or a very known conversation that you don't wanna have, but you have to. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed and fish and bread fed the masses. Are you in need? Ask your father who gives generously. 
I can't promise that that last loaf of bread in the cupboard's gonna be a month's worth of meals, but I can promise you God will provide if you ask, whatever that looks like. It's not always easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus to die, but he did. Jesus prayed, and that led into the conversation about who he is, this beautiful confession given by Peter that we say every time someone enters the water of baptism, I believe Jesus is the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Can't imagine what that prayer right before he had that conversation might have looked like with his father. Things happened when Jesus prayed. And you know the same thing happens today when you pray. Things happen. When you pray for a sick family member, sometimes God heals them on this side of heaven. Sometimes on the other side of eternity. When you pray, and you just need a mission in life, and God brings someone across your path that needs your help. When you have an extra 50 bucks and you don't know what to do with it, and then God sends a letter in the mail from a missionary who needs your help, or you hear something at church. When you want a mission in life, God, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do, just show me. And then you spend time with him in that place, wherever that is. Do you have that place? And he communicates to your heart just what he has in store. It's a wonderful adventure. And prayer is powerful. For what we see in the Bible, prayer is the way Jesus, the son of God, connected with his father. So why wouldn't we use that to connect with our father? as well. It's an extraordinary gift. So God the Father and God the Son were still communing. They were still in union as one, but they just had to maybe communicate a little differently. It was different. Do you ever wonder if God the Father missed his son? Did he look forward to those special times alone? Just had a a friend. Uh, Their daughter just got back from basically a gap year for between high school and college. Just got back last night. And I know the excitement at the airport and I know how much they were looking forward to her coming home. My brother, I I so look forward to those phone calls once a week when we talk on the phone and I just share everything with them. I wonder if God the Father just so looked forward to those conversations because it was different. What an extraordinary gift Jesus was that God gave us. But in 41 years of life, it doesn't surprise me that God gives good gifts. I've seen it all over. As we follow Jesus, as we're baptized, we get the spirit and we get spiritual gifts. We get the fruit of the spirit, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all things that deep down inside we want. We desire to love and to be loved. We desire self-control, even though we run from it sometimes. We desire gentleness. We desire those things, and God is the only one that can fill those things. He's a good gift giver. John 3.16 is about Christmas. Does that surprise you? Might be the most famous verse amongst 21st century Christians, I don't know. My daughter, it's the first one she memorized. She said it fast. I don't know why, but she says it fast so she can get it. But she knows it. She knows John 3, 16. I was surprised in 2009 to find out not everybody 
knows John 3.16. And I found out through this guy, Tim Tebow, 2009 National Championship game. He put John 3.16 in eye black. I knew what it meant. I figured everybody did until I read 90 million people Google searched John 3.16 during the game. Three and a half hours. Maybe they thought it was his uncle, John. I don't know. And then he lived at 316 something. I don't know what people thought, but they searched. They looked. Here's what it says. I'll save you a Google search. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. What a gift. He had one son. And he sent him to us because he loves us. He gave the perfect gift, literally. Jesus lived a perfect life. He gave what was most important to him, his son, because you're most important to him too. What a gift. God's nature is to give good gifts. But the question is, will we unwrap that gift? Christmas time, the kids open their gifts and you can tell pretty quickly, do they like the gift or do they not? If they like the gift, they'll open it and the paper's flying everywhere and they get it out and they're playing with it before they can even go to breakfast. They're so excited about the gift. It's what they've always wanted. It's baseball stars for them. They're so excited. Or they open it, they look inside And they put it back under the tree and it stays there till you're taking the tree down. Hey guys, come get your presents. Take them to your room or ends up in the closet or the basement. We choose to unwrap a gift. Then we choose to make the gift our own. God gave his one and only son as a gift. What do we do with it? Verse 17 says the purpose of Jesus, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Let's stop there. Do you hear that? God did not send Jesus to condemn you. You are not condemned by Jesus, but to save the world through him. That's the good news of Christmas. Here's Jesus come to save us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Jesus is not meant to be a judge, but a present that you are to receive. This reality hit me seven or eight years after college. My, I was paying my student loans from Syracuse University. A lot of us in the room might still have student loans. That's how they set it up, right? Just keep paying forever. And my dad called and he said, I have the resources and I have the want to pay off your your college loans. I'm going to take over those payments for you. And I should have been like, yes, that is so helpful. Thank you. But the thought that ran through my mind first as I was almost speechless was, no, you can't do that. That's my debt. I owe that. And that sounds silly when we're talking about money, but don't we do that with our faith sometimes? Maybe someone's watching at home right now because they think when they come to this building, It's gonna burn down because of all the things I've done. I'm such a bad person. Let me tell you right now, if that were the case, 
this would already be burnt because it is filled with people that have done bad things. You are welcome here. You would be not alone. That's why Jesus came. We don't have to clean up to come to Jesus. Jesus cleans us. And I want you to hear that at Christmas because we clean up to go to the relatives. We clean up when we're around people we want to impress. But that's not Jesus' intention. His intention is to clean us. And so I had to say to my dad, I accept that. I could have said, nope, I'm gonna keep paying it. I'm not giving you the password. You can't submit the payments for me. But I thanked him for that gift and I opened it and I let him give. And Jesus did the same for us. He endured insurmountable pain and suffering. And John 3.16 became a reality. God so loved the world, he gave his son's life. He sacrificed everything for us, a perfect gift. God gives gifts that mean the most to him. And on that cross, I think, Jesus went in a lot of physical pain, right? I mean, the nails, all the beatings he took, carrying the cross, everything, the humiliation, it was all painful. But I think the most painful moment was when for the first time in history, God and Jesus, God the Father, Jesus the Son, were separated. Because when Jesus took on all of our mistakes, all of our failings, all of our sin, all of our dirtiness, all of our bad things, God the Father had to leave. He said, I can't be a part of this anymore. And Jesus on the cross for the first time, I'm alone. I've never felt like this. I am all alone. And he cried out in the scripture, Matthew 27. First, we see creation respond from noon until three in the afternoon. Darkness came over all the land. And then about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lima, Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've never felt alone. And as I read that this week, God gave me the very beautiful word, that God has not sabachthani you. If you have followed Jesus, if you are his servant, he has not left you. Jesus separated himself from the Father so you don't have to. And that's why we love baptism so much here at Kingsway because it's such a beautiful picture that you're buried with Jesus and that you're raised to new life and you feel the water dripping on you as you come out. And you hear the, the crowd, whether it's a small group of people or the entire room. And for years, the rest of your life, you remember that you are not alone. You are with Jesus. There's union between you and God. I've heard so many say, I feel so spiritually dry. I feel like God's far away from me. Those are real feelings, I get it. But the truth, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, is you are not forsaken. You are not alone. And this Christmas, you can celebrate with all reckless abandon that he is with you. He is with you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not die but will inherit eternal life. 
eternal, everlasting, forever life. For God did not send his world, the son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. I've still got another 10 minutes or so, but as Pastor Matt and I talked this Thursday, we thought this is the time for communion. So if you're watching at home, get the crackers, get the juice. Here in the room, go ahead and start to peel back. I think I forgot mine this service. Start to peel back that bread. Thank you, Sandy. Try not to move because I crackle. <laughs> Peel back that bread. It takes a little effort, I know. You break it. What a reminder that God separated himself from Jesus for us. His body was hurt and broken, all those things that we think about, but that separation broke his heart. But he did it for you. And so we eat the bread to remember God's sacrifice. And we open up the juice and we think of Jesus' blood. Why did he have to die? Why did he have to be on the cross? Because we're sinful and God can't be a part of sin. He can't be a part of death. And so Jesus' perfect blood had to cover us. And so right now you might be feeling sad, you might be feeling remorseful, I don't know what you're feeling right now. But I love that this can be a celebration of what Jesus has done and what it means for each one of us, that we are unified if we follow Jesus. And if you don't follow Jesus, you can do that now. You can do that today. Watching at home, it starts with a prayer, God, I need you, I'm a sinner. There's a confession, like we heard earlier, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that we make with our mouths and believe in our hearts. And then, ah, oh, the party in the water. It's a pool party that the heavens rejoice. We are sons and daughters of the King. And so we raise a toast with our communion that we are His. God is so good. Our Father is so good because he gives good gifts. And as we follow Jesus, as we have the Holy Spirit leading us, as we become more like Jesus, we give good gifts too because we start to look more like our Father. And we open the gift, we throw the box, we're so excited we got this. Last time I hit the guitar, so I did better this service. Open the box and look, there's another gift inside because I have a gift to give somebody. And so I give that gift out. And there's another gift inside because we give good gifts. We're our father's children. And I hear it all throughout our church. I hear of one life group that helps support our widow this Christmas season. I hear of another couple life groups came together to pack 36 shoe boxes for Operation Christmas Child so kids across the world will hear about Jesus. They see God because of these gifts. I have another couple of life group leaders, a husband and a wife. Their group was meeting online again. They were going back to virtual meetings through Zoom. And so what did they do as good gift givers, as good group leaders? They baked all these breakfast casseroles and they did porch drops at each one of their group members' houses. And they all were able to share that same food when they met on Zoom virtually. Isn't that cool? 
We get creative as Christians. We don't just put money down, although sometimes that's what a good gift is. We do things that stand out, that make a difference. Because we're our father's children. And so we give good gifts. It can be hard, right? It can stretch us. Well, that gift's not in the budget. I think about when my wife and I were, wanted to support a friend of ours. He's a missionary. And we were already given to our church. This was back in Ohio several years ago. And we were already given it to another missionary. But we love our friend and we wanted to support him, though it didn't make sense in our budget, except my wife was up for a new job. And so if she got that job, then we could afford the gift. And so we just stepped out. And I thought it was stepping out in faith by saying, we're going to give this giant monthly amount to you because we care about you and we want you to do what God has called you to do. But I think in my mind, I was negotiating with God and saying, hey, I hear what it says in the Old Testament that I can't outgive God, that I'm gonna trust you, I'm gonna give, then you're gonna give to me, and that's how it's gonna work. Leah's gonna get this job. That's not generosity. And so we committed to our friend, and my wife didn't get the job. And we had to decide, are we gonna stick with that commitment? Are we gonna trust our father? Our friend would have understood if we said, oh, you know, we thought this would come through. That's why we did this. And so we'll, we'll still give you a little, but not that bigger amount. But as we prayed, as we met with our father, it became pretty clear that we were supposed to stick to that number. Even though it didn't have a line item in our budget that made sense. And yet God does these funny things. I like to call it God math. Where we give even though we don't have it and he takes care of us and sometimes blesses us above and beyond. And those months turned into years where we were given that amount and didn't have an increase, but we were okay. Somehow our rent was paid. Somehow we ate. Somehow we could still visit family in Indiana because God provides. He is a good gift giver. But it's a muscle. Giving generously financially is a muscle. And we take a step when God says, hey, buy that coat for that third grader at Lou Wallace Elementary. And you did it. And God provided. And he'll ask you to do something else, to try and grow that muscle a little bit more. Maybe it's your time. Oh, I'm so busy with work, especially during the holidays, working overtime. I don't have time to spend that time with those kids that need a reading buddy. Or my nephew who doesn't have a dad. I don't have time. Just give them one day a week, one hour. See what a difference it makes in that kid's life. Because our God gives the best gifts ever. And we're his children. And so we get to give the best gifts ever too. And what's really cool is when we, we give that good, intentional, heartfelt, or spur of the moment gift, that gift that, is not what we have, but what he has. It shows a reflection of our father and that might be the only time that person sees God. When you shovel your neighbor's driveway, that might be the only time they see God. When you bake cookies for the widow, that might be the only time she knows she's not alone. What an honor, what a pleasure it is to be good gift givers like our father. This is the greatest season ever. It's Christmas. We get to give gifts and show the love of Jesus because God so loved the world. 
And he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not die. What a promise. But shall inherit, that's a gift, eternal, everlasting, forever fulfilled, satisfied lives. That's what he gives us. For God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. He came to save you. The infant was infinite, but he came for you. Let's pray. God, I'm so excited just about who you are. You are such a good gift giver. You pour out so many blessings. Some are material, some are worldly, but some, oh, the presence of your son, the Holy Spirit, you give it freely to us. And God, I pray this Christmas season that we celebrate the presence of you and not the presence under the tree. Lord, change our hearts. Is today a pivotal day where maybe someone wants to follow you for the very first time. They want to get baptized. They haven't done that. They want to step into a new kingdom where things are different, where their life makes a difference for somebody else because we are your children. And so God, as we unwrap the gift of Jesus this Christmas, thank you that we find so many more gifts inside that we then are able to give to others. God, we love you. Thank you for being our God. In Jesus' name, amen.